Which one did you see? Freedom! <laughs> Plastic Halloween costume. It, it does get the, uh, the blood flowing. Um, last week, Randy kicked off the series that you saw up there called Stand Your Ground. And we're not standing our ground against a physical being. Um, we're not standing our, our ground against an idea, but really we're standing our ground against the enemy of God. That enemy has some different names that you may have heard of. The devil, Satan, father of lies. There's many others. The bottom line is, we are fighting a battle that exists against the devil's schemes. When the devil schemes against us, it's to, to take us out. Really, the devil has waged war against God and anyone who tries to follow after God and his purposes. This is the reality of what it means to be a follower of Christ. You're not only following Christ, but you are now entering in to a battle that is real. This may be one of the first times that you've, you've heard about a battle in the spiritual sense. When you turn on the news, they're not talking about a spiritual battle, although that can be behind certain battles that are physical. But when you turn on, it's, it's with troops, it's with men fighting other men. It's physical in a certain location. So maybe for you, this idea of a spiritual battle or something that takes place in the fifth dimension is something that seems a little far-fetched, movie-like, maybe something you don't need to worry about. Or maybe you've, you've been a follower of Christ for a long time, but this idea of fighting a battle or this idea of this spiritual war is something that you've heard of, but it's a concept. You don't know the role that you play in this war. Then there's some of us that may be just dealing with some hard issues, some real problems that we're not sure where the root of it is. Why is that happening? What is the cause of it? And there just seems like there is some haywire things going on in your life. Wherever you may be, we're going to dig in and really talk about what God has given us when we enter into partnership with him, what he has given us to fight this battle. I want to review a little bit of what Randy talked about last week because it really does set the context for this whole series. We're going to start by the passage that really we get one of our best strategies to fight the enemy, the devil. It's Ephesians 6, 10 through 14. On your listening outline, uh, you can follow along as I, as I read it. It says, finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, in the scripture it's saying, since all that is true, since we fight a spiritual battle, therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, Notice, so that when, not if, when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. Why don't you underline that word stand every time you see it. You may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, 
with the breastplate of righteousness in place. Last week, Randy talked about how one of the enemy schemes that he wants to use to derail our life is confusion. If we're confused about what is right, about what is wrong, about our purpose, about our place in this world, we don't accomplish anything. We're confused, our head is spinning, and we do nothing. So one of the enemy schemes is to confuse us. Randy talks about we need to instill the belt of truth. The belt in ancient times when you wore it held everything in place, made everything functional. The belt of truth for us, if you're a follower of Christ, is the word of God. It helps us know what is real is real. What is true is true. What is false is false. It helps everything line up. Everything functions correctly when we line it up with the word of God. That's the reality that we have. This morning, we're going to talk about the breastplate of righteousness. Now, this breastplate of righteousness doesn't look like this. It's not physical. It's not made of plastic fitting a two-year-old. But it is real nonetheless. It is something that God has given us to fight against a certain scheme that the devil wants to use repeatedly and repeatedly. The word devil in the Greek, which is the language that the New Testament was written in, the word devil actually means the accuser. So when I know that you're named the accuser, that means you probably accuse quite a bit. In ancient times, your name was descriptive. If you were funny, man, funny. Sad face, sad. Accuser, you accuse. This is one of the primary strategies and schemes of the devil to take us out. He wants to accuse us. If you're trying to get a sense of what this spiritual battle looks like, one of the things that kind of helps me, and it's not, it doesn't really line up perfectly because, again, this is a physical description and analogy, but it's like when you have a computer and you suspect that there's some sort of a virus going on. You ever had that? Like you open windows and then like these error codes come up and it's like report this code to your network administrator, but it's like your computer and you don't know who that is. And you're supposed to write down like 52 letters, you know, and then you like Google that problem and then like all sorts of these virus issues, you, uh oh, something's going on. Or one of my favorite things when I know my computer, something's up, is like when I drag the window. And like 50 million copies of that appear on the screen. Isn't that weird? Or like you shut down and then it doesn't boot up. Well, from the age of computers, what they realized is, is there are things called viruses that came in and destroyed the computer. So people who were smart thought, let's make antivirus programs to block these bad viruses. And, you know, you, you download the software, and it's like found 2.2 million problems with your computer. Start, and then it's like come back three days from now, and we'll be done scanning. But, you know, you're, you're thankful. Okay, there's a problem. Antivirus has detected it. But have you ever realized that there, there's not like a little creepy crawler virus that comes in and crawls into your computer, right? You guys ever seen the virus? No. But you experience it. Your computer becomes a coaster because it works no longer. I have one of those at home. doesn't work. The virus gets in. doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't work anymore. Well, this is part of what the enemy does. 
He onslaughts these schemes, which is just like a virus that overtakes us. And if we don't have the right armor to defend against it, if we haven't been trained on what to do to prevent it, it will take us out just like a virus takes out the hard drive and everything else. So we have hope. God has given us the tools we need to fight, to defend, not just wither and die. But before we learn how to defend, let's learn how the enemy wants to work in this area. So since he is the accuser, um, on the review section you can see four things that are the big picture that you can just read on your own. But why, why does the devil accuse? Why does he do that? Well, the first thing is to shift our focus onto our own righteousness. That word righteous, you know, righteous brothers, not quite sure how that is related to music or different times we use righteous, like that's righteous, man, like in the 60s. But the word righteousness in Scripture is really how we are right before God. And what you find in Scripture is because we have sinned, each of us, we have missed the mark, none of us are righteous. None of us can earn God's favor because of what we've done. See, from the beginning of time, the enemy, Satan, was even then, when the first couple, Adam and Eve, were made, he was even then dividing, devising a strategy to take us out. Satan's mind, he thought, you know, if I can make them sin, they will be divided amongst themselves, and they'll be separated from God. What you learn about God is he is a holy God. He is completely righteous. And holiness means separated, set apart. And God is separated from sin. So in Satan's mind, he's thinking, if I can get the humans to sin, then they will be disconnected from God forever. I've won. I can smear it in their face for their, the rest of their life. That was his plan. What you find in Scripture, though, is the story doesn't end there. Although we sinned, and each of us has sinned, and we've missed the mark, and we've screwed up, and we've done stupid things, God gave us his son, Jesus Christ, to forgive us of our sins. Satan's strategy was to separate. God's strategy was to save. And when you enter in a relationship with God, you enter into a relationship where your sins are no longer held against you. So part of what the enemy is doing is not only trying to defeat us, but by focusing on our own righteousness, coming to the place where we no longer remember what God has done and how he has acted on our behalf, but where we really focus on how good or how bad we are. See, this comes in many ways. Have you ever heard yourself thinking this? Well, I'm, I'm better than that guy. I'm better than that girl. At least I haven't done that. In the positive sense, we, we think we're, we're pretty good. In the negative sense... I'm the worst person ever. God cannot, he can't use me. You're being accused when you think some thoughts like this. Um, How could you? You've done something that you shouldn't have done. And the thought that you keep having is, how could you? Or God is going to give up on you. He's done. His patience is here. You just screwed up again right here. He's done. Or even the question, you screwed up again? These are how the accusations come. Or this one, you're the worst, and you fill in the blank. Father, mother, son, daughter, 
coworker, friend, Christian, human. You start thinking those thoughts, so those thoughts start entering in. You're being accused. When we focus on our own ability or our own goodness, we really have no hope. Compared to the goodness of God. So the enemy, the devil, in his accusations, wants us to focus on what we have done, what we have earned or not earned. And when we look at ourselves, we realize that we have no hope within ourselves. We cannot save ourselves. Um, there's a, a verse um, in Ecclesiastes 7.20. This isn't in your, your outline or the PowerPoint, but it says, There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. That's kind of a depressing verse, isn't it? Ecclesiastes, he's shooting straight and just saying, this is how you are as a human. There is not a righteous man on earth who does what is right and never sins. But you find that there's a red light in Scripture. Psalm 130 says, if you, O Lord, kept a record of sins, O Lord, who could stand? But with you there is forgiveness, therefore you are feared. Did you scroll up to the, the first verse there? Isaiah 64, 6. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all, our, and all our righteous acts are like filthy rags. That's true. We all shrivel up like a leaf, and like the wind, our sins sweep us away. Satan, in his accusations, wants the story to end right there. What you do is trash. You're like a leaf cut off from the tree. You're brown and going to die. You're done. There's no life left in you. The wind is just going to sweep you away. Your life is meaningless. That's how he wants the story to end. But what I read, just read in Psalm 130 is this idea, of, but you, O oh Lord, you don't keep any record of sin. So this is the battle. Satan wants us to completely focus on how good or how bad we are. On what we've done to earn his favor or not done. God, on the other hand, wants to extend his love through his son, Jesus Christ, to forgive us. To relieve us from having to earn favor. To earn our salvation. That is the battle. Satan's version is God will squash you because of what you have done. and Because of what you thought. At any moment, you sense that God is giving up on you, that's the accusation of the enemy. At any moment, you want to give up hope in God, that's the accusation of the enemy. If he allows us or causes us to buy in that God is no longer loving, that he no longer is with us, then he has us right where we are where he wants us. So he accuses us, so we focus on our own righteousness, what we've done. And the other reason he accuses us, so we'll, we'll give in or give up. You ever tried to do something that you weren't good at? Like a sport. You ever done that? Or a hobby of any kind. For me, it's golf. I honestly don't know why golf exists. Instead, just to make me look Completely and utterly silly. It's like this little golf ball 
is saying, I bet you can't hit me. And I'm saying, yes, I can. And then I take a swing and I miss. And then, you know, like, like any golfer, you're thinking, okay, practice swing. <laughs> Although you're trying to hit it as far as you can. You know, and you, you take a swing and then you top the ball and it goes three feet. And, you know, your, your friends that you're playing with, they're already down at the green changing clubs. They got the putter and you're like, I will hit this. And then you got the party that's waiting for, you know, the other golfers behind you and the pressure is mounting. You, you're taking swings and for me it's just it's not working. I'm thinking, okay, you go up, then you come down. What's hard about that? It's gravity. So I swing, I miss, I top the ball, goes three feet. So I just pick it up and I just throw it as far as I can. I'm thinking, I'm going to hit that ball. Somehow. And I started talking to myself like, you know, golf, this is, this game's stupid. And then I, I start not to care anymore. You know, like when you're bad at something, then you try to convince yourself that it didn't really matter to you. Like, <laughs> golf. I don't care about golf. I just paid $48. That's how it is with, with this accusation. It's, it's like we, we, we keep trying to do it on our own. We keep trying to do it on our own. And there's Satan just saying, are you going to keep trying take that swing? You think you can really do that? You're nothing. You've never hit the ball. You're not going to hit it anymore. Instead, in, in real life, you, you think you're going to be able to, to love that person this time? You think you're going to know the right words to say you never have before? You think you're going to be able to overcome that sin? There's no way. And we get these thoughts and we just we become apathetic. The accusations, if we don't defend them, they lead to discouragement, disappointment, anger. You ever try to do something you can't do? That, that happens. You just you don't care anymore, and then it leads to apathy. Can't do it. Why do I even try and the enemy got us right where he wants us. As soon as we, we go into apathy, where we don't care anymore, then what's right doesn't matter either. So if we don't care about doing what God wants us to do, then we do what we want to do. Accusations eventually lead to just apathy. We don't care. Then we start skating on thin ice. Just thinking, you know, I've blown it. I've always blown it. I'm just going to do what I want to do. And so we morally, we skate on thin ice. We start doing things that we know we shouldn't do. We start going in some areas that are problems for us. We're tempted in that way a lot. Or we've always struggled in a certain area and we just start to think, you know what? These accusations I can't stand against, I'm just going to give in. And just like thin ice, any point it cracks, you will fall. And Satan is just ready. He's ready to pounce. Scripture Referred to as a lion. He's just ready to devour. Do you see the imagery? This is what Satan is, is smart. He knows. He gets us to focus on our own self, our own strength. We realize we don't have what it takes. Over time we get discouraged, defeated. Then we don't care. And when we don't care, we give up. Randy last week said... A fallen soldier can't advance the cause of the kingdom for which he fights. 
That's what the enemy wants to do with us. Disable us, discourage, take us out. So, we have to secure the breastplate of righteousness. See, if I were to attempt to fit into this, it would rip, for one. But I wouldn't be able to secure it. I'd probably have like a piece that's hanging on my shoulder, and the rest of me would just be exposed. You see, the breastplate of righteousness has was a front shield breastplate to cover your, your vital organs, your heart, things that gave you life. It also has uh, a back portion. But, you know, you can get to the heart from the back. The enemy knew. I mean, fighters know this. So they, they wear a breastplate in place that covers both sides. Same with the accusations. We have to have it firm in place. We do not know when the, where the accusations are going to come from. They're not always just right in front of us. So that nagging thought that just crops up when you're trying to serve somebody or you're trying to pray or trying to read Scripture, that nagging thought that just comes and you think, no, I don't want to do that. It's never worked before. So we have to securely put this in place. Randy talked last week again about the heart. That's really where the enemy works, in our heart. This is our central guidance system. If this thing gets messed up, just like the hard drive of the computer, just like the motherboard, if that gets messed up, the rest of us is messed up. If God can get to the heart and cause us to focus on the wrong things. Did I say God? Sorry. You know what I meant? Satan. If Satan causes us to focus on the wrong things, our heart begins to believe it. And what we think is true is true, and it's really not. We're deceived. That's why the enemy is called the deceiver. So to secure this in place, we need to do a couple things. The first thing is we need to step into the light. You know, light and darkness is the ultimate imagery of, of good and evil. You find that throughout all cultures. The idea of stepping into the light isn't just to embrace the goodness or the good side versus the bad side. Romans 13, 12 says this, the night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. Essentially, the time of apathy, guilt, discouragement is over. Focus on the righteousness of Christ. To battle focusing on our own righteousness means that we're going to focus on the righteousness of Christ. That is, Christ is the one who cleared the accusations against me. You see, what the enemy knows is that when he accuses us, it's usually of some sin that we have done. In fact, Sin is the fuel of Satan's accusations. The wrong that we've done, that's the fuel. So he brings that up. It could be something that you did this morning. It could be something you did last week. It could be 15, 20 years ago. If he can find it, he'll use it. So the sin is the fuel. So what you find about stepping into the light, it's this idea of you confess your sin before God and you move on. You ever dealt with something that, that you, you've struggled with for a period of time? And you keep struggling with it, and you blow it again. You get to that point where you're like, well, 
man, I can't, I can't tell God I did that. I just kind of want to hide here in the darkness. I can't tell him I, I blew it again. What you find is usually our gut, that, that idea of wanting to hide from God, that's, that's not from God. That's another, another tool. In fact, when Adam and Eve first sinned, they hid in the bushes. And there's this great, this great question that God asks that really sums up what happened when man and woman decided to go their own way and sin. And he said, where are you? God knew, but he wanted them to realize and to confess. You know that tree that you said we were not supposed to touch? Well, we did it, and then we hid in the bushes. They blew it, and they wanted to hide. Stepping in the light means you are real with, with who you are. And before God, you confess the things that you've done. But instead of just dwelling on that, you claim the righteousness of Christ. That could be for the first time. If, if you've never committed your life to Christ, essentially what you're saying is, is when you become the boss of my life, it's not because of what I've done. It's because what God has done through Jesus Christ. Dying on the cross for my sins. The accusations that stand before me are cleared because of what God did through Jesus. That's what it means. So for some of us, it may be we need to do that for the first time. We've been trying to fight this battle within ourselves our whole life. But you don't have the power you need. The power comes from God. So it might be the first time, or it just may through through the battles, through your life, through the journey, you've just gotten tired of blowing it, and you've just stopped to confess your sin. You just... You're, you're hiding in the bushes. It's time to come out. It's time to be real and honest with where you are and confess that before God. Confess your sin and move on. I mentioned that earlier. It's the idea of you're not going to continue to dwell. When the accusations come, practically stepping in the light means, you know, you're right. I did blew that. But Jesus died for me and my sin is forgiven. That's securing the breastplate of righteousness. This breastplate of righteousness is made of the righteousness of Christ. So when you're installing that and securing it, you're not installing your own righteousness, but His. And the accusations fly off. We are protected. Philippians 3, 8 through 9. This is how to get the help that you need. What is more, I've considered everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, For whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. Let's stop right there. This this, uh, writer, Paul, is the same church planter in the first century that that wrote the Ephesians passage on how to fight using the armor. And man's standards, he had done all that you needed to do to please God, according to man's standards. And what he says here is, is so crucial. He's saying, I consider everything, all the degrees I've learned, all the schools I've gone to, all the people that I've taught, all the accommodations, all the things that made me look great. I consider them a loss. I consider them trash compared to the surpassing 
greatness of knowing Christ. That I may gain Christ, verse 9, and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law. See, he hits, he hits on it. The way that we fight the accusations is not having a righteousness that comes from the law. Not having a righteousness that's based on the good or the bad, like it's some sort of a scale. We cannot do enough good to tip the scale. Paul knows this. But that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and it is by faith. The faith knowing that God will help you in the battle. That God's righteousness is enough to cover your sin, to cover my sin. The breastplate of righteousness that's constructed by the righteousness of Christ. That's what it means to step into light, realizing that everything that I do will not allow me to defend against the accusations except claiming the righteousness of Christ. Making him the boss of my life. Second thing, walk in the light. This idea of stepping in the light is, you know, you confess and you claim the righteousness of Christ. But what we tend to do is we blow it and then we just want to go back into the darkness. There's things that we've done that we just like to do, the sin. Or we get discouraged again. Or the breastplate is out of place. And the accusations are penetrating our heart, penetrating our heart. We go back into the darkness. Well, the scriptures continually pointing, point to you don't step into the light. You step into the light and then you walk in it. First John 1, 5 through 7. This is the message we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light. In him there is no darkness at all. That's why within ourselves we're not okay. Because there's sin, there's darkness for what we've done. If we claim to have fellowship with him, yet walk in the darkness, we lie and do not live by the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Christ paid the price for the sin that we've done. For the fuel that Satan wants to use against us, God sent Jesus so he wouldn't be able to. So we claim his righteousness. Here's some suggestions for how to walk in the light. Build righteous patterns of living. Remember earlier I talked about the apathy that we experience? The idea of, well... I've never been able to do what I need to do to please God. I'm just going to not try. Well, building righteous patterns of living means that you're not going to skate near the thin ice. For some of you, actually for all of us, there's certain things that we're accused of. Certain temptations, certain struggles that Satan always wants to point at. That might be the thin ice. That might be the area that, that we we tend to fall in. We tend to to kind of get off track. When you walk in the light, you're building righteous patterns, meaning I'm not going to skate near the thin ice so I can be taken out. I'm going to really try to live a life of integrity before God. Walking in the light, building righteous patterns of living, you're going to take God's word seriously. If he says to not do it, whichever sin that is, you don't. And if you do, you get it right with him. and You confess it quick. Because you know this battle is real. Satan will use it. The other thing you can do to, to, to walk in the light is don't make your battle 
a private affair where you're just a lone soldier on the battlefield fighting an army of Satan and the fallen angels. You can't fight alone. You need brothers and sisters in arms who are going to fight with you. So what that means is if there's an area that Satan is continually accusing you of, there may be someone that you just need to bring and say, this is an area that, that the devil is using and it is discouraging me, it's derailing me, and I need you to pray. So you may need to find somebody that you can confess, a trusted follower of Christ that you can confess a struggle with. Something that you're dealing with that you need to just bring someone else in. Man, I heard you to talk to a man. Women, talk to a woman. Get the help that you need from somebody who walks with God, that takes God seriously. The enemy wants to isolate us, to take us out. Have you ever seen like those the cop shows? And when they, whenever they're inter- interrogating people, they're always by themselves in a room. And they just work on them until they break down. They never interrogate with a group of people. The enemy wants to use the same thing. Isolate us, get us to think that what he's saying is actually true, and give up. Give in. Walking in the light, we've got to build the righteous patterns, and then we need to to partner with people that are fighting the battle with us. Uh, It's very difficult to grow spiritually if you're in the darkness. Sin is like a nocturnal creature. Feeds and grows in the dark. So if you're in the dark, spiritually you're not growing. The sin is growing in your life. So we've got to come out of the darkness and walk into the light. Um, Real help, just an encouragement, encouragement, real help from God is in the light. That's where he is. So this morning, whatever you're dealing with, whether it's in your way past or in the recent present, whatever it is, God has given the power that you need to fight the accusations that stand against you. There is forgiveness as you confess your sin to God. There is help as you bring other people into the battle that you're dealing with. 1 John 1, 5 where it says we have fellowship with one another, that's what that means. When we're walking in the light, we actually can see who is with us. In the darkness, you can't see anything. Just running into walls. You don't know where to go. So this is where the real help is. So I encourage you, think through. Is there that area that you just need to confess? Or you just need to just resist the, the accusations? Christ has forgiven me of those sins. You may not use that against me anymore. Rebuke the enemy in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is power in his name. Uh, there's some next steps that you can take as well. And I encourage you to do so. Memorize Psalm 133 through 4. This is the passage that talks about in the Lord there is forgiveness because he keeps no record of sin. Uh, you may want to read Romans 3. This talks about the righteousness of Christ. If you're supposed to claim that, this gives you a picture of what that looks like. Uh, ask God to show you any thin ice. Is there an area that you're skating near that, that you know is wrong and you're vulnerable? And then pray about 
who you should be honest with. A trusted follower of Christ that may help you. So I encourage you to take that this week or in the months ahead. And I urge you, we, we must fight and take seriously the help that God's given us through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. The reality is, God, you, you are our strength. And the enemy wants to drive fear in our hearts. Because with fear, we're paralyzed. We don't know what the truth is. We give in to emotion. That you really do give us strength in you. There is nothing that we can do within ourselves to fight this battle. It is completely spiritual. And you are our commander who leads us in a way that we will have victory. And we trust you, God. As our commander, we trust you and know that the strategies that you've given us to fight are better than any strategy we can devise within ourselves. Give us your power. Allow us to experience that for the first time today if we never have. And in you we have victory over these accusations that weigh us down. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ.